The shofar sounds the beginning of the Jewish New Year. Kol Chadash Humanistic Congregation presents Rabbi Adam Shalom. We hope you enjoy his sermon from Erev Rosh Hashanah for the year 5771, the first night of Rosh Hashanah, 2010. The prophet Elijah was in great danger. Elijah had criticized the king. He had challenged the royal cult. Elijah had killed the royal priests. Elijah fled for his life. He walked for 40 days and for 40 nights to the mountain of Horeb, also known as Mount Sinai. And on that mountain, just like Moses, Elijah met the god Yahweh. And behold, Yahweh passed by, and there was a great and mighty wind splitting mountains and shattering rocks. But Yahweh was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But Yahweh was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, fire. But Yahweh was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. With inspiration from that still, small voice, Elijah emerged from Sinai outlasted the king, and in the end ascended to heaven in a fiery chariot, only to reappear in Jewish legend as a sign of the Messianic age and at the Passover Seder as a cup. Where do we find meaning and purpose in our lives? Is it from a loud voice? telling you, thou shalt and thou shalt not? Is your personal sense of purpose in the pomp and circumstance of authority and tradition? Is your purpose in the crash of splitting mountains and shattering rocks, the special effects of miraculous mythical narratives? No. Our meaning comes after the noise. Sometimes it takes noise and danger to break through our protective barriers, like the ordeal of labor ending with the joy of a new child. Yet the most meaningful connections are not found in the noise. We find meaning from that still, small voice from within. This High Holidays, we explore what we truly need, not what we want or what we think we need. After all, we want dessert, but no one really needs dessert. What do we really need? 
What do I need is a modern question, a question our ancestors would not have asked. They might have said, what do I need? I need for you to stop asking me so many questions. That's what I need. The original Sinai experience in the Torah is not responding to human needs. It's telling you what to do. Not just the famous Ten Commandments, but rules about what clothes to wear and what food to eat and on and on. And then the rabbis interpreted and expanded and invented their Torah all the way up to 613 commandments. Rules for all of life. The halakha, the path to walk. And then the rabbis built a fence around the Torah. Extra restrictions so that you could not even come close to crossing the line. Do you not want to eat forbidden food if you want to avoid forbidden food? Do not even go into a restaurant that serves it. Don't want to break the Sabbath by writing? Don't even touch a pencil on Shabbat. Now, we do not live that life. Those rules are not who we are today. They are not emotionally meaningful for us. And all those rules can make you lose the forest for the trees. Or as Yehuda Amichai puts it, From thou shalt not boil a kid in its mother's milk, they created all the many kosher laws. But the mother is forgotten, and the milk is forgotten, and the kid is forgotten. From I love you, we've built our whole lives together, but I've not forgotten you as you were then. Rules do not make a life of meaning because the meaning behind the rules is lost. We will not find our meaning, our sense of purpose from following commandments simply because they were commanded. We want the freedom before them, the real human need, the I love you moment. Now, some of you may find all this talk about purpose too religious for a humanistic congregation. You're here for ideas, not for spiritual elevation, whatever that is. Are we religious? Are we a religion? After all, our attention is on people, not on a god, so we might not fit the first dictionary definition of religion. Consider this. If you were personally asked in a survey, would you call yourself religious? Would you say that you do things religiously? Maybe yes, maybe no. But we certainly fit into the second dictionary definition of religion, a community with a shared approach to life. After all, here you are at high holiday services, listening to a rabbi in a Jewish congregation. It certainly looks like a religion and walks like a religion and quacks like a religion to me. Even if you are not really listening to the rabbi, that's also a religious tradition. And if that were the case, you're saying to the person next to you, what did he just say? And it's not just the form. We are organized like this, and we meet like this, and we celebrate like this because we have learned that even secular people must meet the needs religion meets. We have to answer the questions religions answer about the human condition, even if we answer them in our own way. We, too, have a still, small voice, but we do not imagine that it comes from any other place than our deepest self. In a world of individuals where our life is not defined by religious authority, one of the most important human questions is the question of meaning.
the need for purpose. Human beings have a natural tendency to look for causes for reasons. This has been wonderfully useful for science and technology. Yet when we look at the vastness of the universe and our very, very small corner of it, we seem to need more. And so we cry out, What can I do to make my life more important? How can I serve a higher purpose than my own mere survival? Tell me that I'm part of the big plan for everything, that I have a crucial role to play. Tell me that I make a difference. Tell me that I matter. Tell me my life's purpose. Why am I here? What should I do? I'm not going to tell you. Not because I know and I'm being cruel, but because there is no one answer to these questions. No matter how loudly I might speak or what special effects I might use, louder, bigger, older, none of these details make an answer more true. The truth is not in the wind and not in the earthquake and not in the fire. The truth is in the still, small voice, mine and yours. Now, which religion has grown the most over the last 50 years? We could be smug and say humanistic Judaism, since going from zero to anything is by definition infinite growth. Now, some of the big winners in the last 50 years have been movements like evangelical Christianity, New Age religion, and even missionizing Judaism or Chabad. Now, what is the key to their success? Each of these movements answers the question of purpose. All human beings face difficult moments, and we all need a sense of something greater than ourselves, greater than our momentary pain, to carry us through and beyond. Those other answers have struck a chord. What will our answers be? The Purpose Driven Life by evangelical pastor Rick Warren has sold over 30 million copies. And his megachurch averages 20,000 worshipers every week. Precisely because he addresses this human need for purpose. What are his answers? He begins his book by saying, it's not about you. But if you listen to the purposes he lists for your life, in fact, everything is about you. You were formed for God's family. You were shaped for serving God. You were made for a mission. It's all about you. You have a purpose, and it is cosmically important. Your purpose is part of the divine plan for everything. There will be a happy ending. You will receive your reward. If you can't find your purpose in this life, then your ultimate purpose is to get to the next life. I call that post-dated purpose. Pay now, receive delivery much, much later. And best of all, if you were formed for God's family, you were shaped for serving God, you were made for a mission, then someone else is responsible. Someone else is in charge. If anything bad happens, it's not your fault. Whew. Now, of course, our experience of life is very different. We do not find order and benevolent purpose in our experience of the universe. 
And we do find that owning our present and our future is more realistic and more effective and also more satisfying. To hear our still small voice, we do not need a mega shul of 20,000 people, though I might not exactly say no. What we can learn from Warren is that a sense of purpose is something greater than a temporary, short-term, short-sighted desire. We want, we need to feel as though we are working for something larger and more important to get through those hard parts of life. New Age religion has its own answer to the question of purpose. Not that a god made you, but that you are God, or at least a little piece of God. In New Age religion, if everything is holy and divine, then that includes you too. So the personal does have a cosmic importance, even if in this case it's a little more complicated than opening the book. If there are little bits of divinity in everything, in everyone, well, that kind of God doesn't really do mountaintop meetings. And it's hard to find a meaning you can believe in. One example. Every living being that we know contains the element carbon. And that is inspiring in its own way. But it seems odd to pray to carbon to deliver us from evil or to praise carbon for bringing forth bread from the earth. Nothing supernatural, no cosmic consciousness is needed to feel connected to each other and part of the world around us or to express our sense of meaning. I do not need to be more than I am to find purpose in my life. What we can take from New Age religion is the understanding that everything, even the ordinary, can be a source of extraordinary experience and meaning. And what about the missionizing Jews? The Chabad answer to purpose? The more you live it, and the more you sell it, the more you'll believe it yourself. There is no time to wonder about your purpose when you're fulfilling 613 commandments, praying three times a day, studying Torah and Talmud and koshering and living the lifestyle you're told to live, and then encouraging others to do the same. Maybe you decide there must be a purpose behind it all because it takes all of your time. Or maybe someone somewhere is keeping score of all those commandments. Maybe there is a book of life into which it is written at the new year, who shall live and who shall die, and you'd better be on the right side of that book. But by the time you've lived all 613 commandments with meat dishes and milk dishes and Passover meat dishes and Passover milk dishes, the mother is forgotten and the milk is forgotten and the kid is forgotten and the you is forgotten. Our personal meaning is not found by burying ourselves in obedience, but by articulating and living our ideals in our own way. However, we can learn from Chabad that a sense of purpose can come from what you do, not just from what you think or believe. And sharing what you find meaningful with others can confirm its importance to you. Now, the surprise is that the fastest growing group of all religious identities is actually none of the above. Those who identify with no particular religious institution or identity. Maybe they're tired of being sold books and DVDs and magic red strings. Maybe they're tired of being told what to do. 
Maybe they've learned that big screen TVs and 20,000 people or a program that dominates your life is not the answer. They may live secular lives, or they may pursue the supernatural, but either way, maybe the none of the aboves have realized that purpose is not in the wind, and purpose is not in the earthquake and not in the fire. What they seek is in that still, small voice from within. What are our answers to the question of purpose? I can give you a glib answer like, humanists believe in life before death. And I've all, think about it. <laughs> and I've already told you that there is no one answer, no one still small voice to follow. But to be helpful, here are some steps that I can suggest to finding your own answers. First, start with the question. You know the old joke? Why do you always answer a question with a question? Do I? Sometimes the question is the answer. In Chabad, someone who has become newly orthodox is called a Baal Teshuva, someone who has returned to the answer. We could be called Yoshev B'She'elah, someone who dwells in the question, someone who can live with uncertainty. Doubt is important. Doubt is the basis of the conservative critique of government knows best, and doubt is the basis of liberal reluctance to legislate family and lifestyle choices. Absolute certainty is dangerous. So enjoy your doubt. Start with a question. Leave some things undecided, and when you need to make a choice, turn inside and listen to that still, small voice. Start with the question. Second, purpose begins with self-actualization. On Shabbat evenings, there is a tradition of blessing the children. May God make you like Ephraim and Menashe, or for girls, like Sarah, Rebecca, Rachel, and Leah. Now, if being a parent has taught me anything, it's that children will become something very different than you have planned. I much prefer the modern poet Marsha Falk's Shabbat blessing for children. May you be who you are, and may you be blessed in all that you are. May you be who you are, and may you be blessed in all that you are. Like humanistic Judaism as a whole, Falk celebrates Jewish tradition through self-actualization, being and becoming who you are. Part of our purpose is to become ourselves, to learn, to grow, to live and to thrive as individuals, families, and communities. There is tremendous dignity to be found in writing your own script, creating your own purpose in life. In the words of William Henley, it matters not how straight the gate, how charged with punishments the scroll, I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. This is when the still, small voice realizes that it may shout from the rooftops of the world. If we take ownership of our own lives, we have found at least the first step to our purpose. We have taken responsibility, just as we are training our children to do. Someone is responsible. It just isn't someone else. Purpose begins with self-actualization. Third, explore the experiences of meaning. If we begin with self-actualization, 
how will we know a sense of purpose when we find it? I often express how fortunate I am to do what I do, to experience what I experience, the heights and the depths of the human emotional journey. What I've found is that when you have a deep experience, when you do something of deep importance, you know it. The feeling when you hear a son speak movingly at his father's funeral, or the pride we feel as our child takes another big step towards independence. This past December, I received an email that said, I found you too late. Will you do my funeral? It was someone with end-stage cancer. I met him and his family. He was in his late 30s, two small children, wonderful little home, and the beginning of his life. And I knew, I knew that this would be meaningful for me. Because but for different turns of fate, that was me. That was my life. Could have been my death. And I told them when I met with them the first time, there's something in psychology called countertransference, where the therapist works out his issues on you. I'm going to try not to do that. But I want you to know that this is personal for me too. And when he died, I wrote the eulogy, but I knew I had to give it twice. Once in my office to process my emotions, and once at the funeral. You know when you find these experiences of meaning. If there is no central authority dictating your purpose, no 17-step program to achieve cosmic meaning, then we have to deduce what is most important to us from the moments that are the most important. They may have come helping others or achieving our own goals or coming to new understandings about the world or maybe learning something about ourselves. Don't wait for me or for anyone to tell you the meaning of your life. Look back at those moments that were the most meaningful and consider them and reconsider them. Listen for that still, small voice in the experiences of meaning. Most important, ours is the human scale. I do not seek the purpose of my life in the stars. They are too far away, too removed from my needs and desires, my experience and my consciousness. My scale of meaning is the human scale. I do not imagine that I can affect the entire universe, so I'm not disappointed when I don't. I don't imagine that I am always the same person, in the same situation, with the same connections to other people. So I do not expect one purpose to be true for my entire life, let alone one purpose to be true for all life everywhere. One of the phrases that drives me crazy is, I'm just killing time. What does it mean to be killing time? It means that in place of doing or helping or learning or enjoying or living, you are simply murdering some of the limited time you have. Our purpose is not simply in being. Our purpose may be found in doing, acting to make a difference even in our own small way. We find purpose on the small scale. We find purpose in special moments of personal meaning. We find purpose in making the most of our lives. Not a purpose, not the purpose, our feeling of purpose, something each of us needs. 
Tomorrow we turn to another human need, the need for joy. And I invite you to consider a simple question. Is Jewish joy an oxymoron? So if you are curious if Jewish joy is an oxymoron, you'll have to come back tomorrow morning. Now I want to conclude this exploration of purpose with a story that will show you what purpose truly is. In 1942, in the Warsaw Ghetto, the orphanage was being evacuated to the east. And by 1942, they knew what that meant. The head of the Warsaw Ghetto was a man named Janusz Korczyk. He was a world-renowned pediatrician, child psychologist. He was an expert in his field and had run this orphanage with great discipline and with great focus. But now his charges were being deported. And he did not have to go. He would be exempt. That morning, he dressed the children in their best clothing, and they walked to the station in orderly lines. They went to the cars. They got on the cars. And Janusz Korczyk got on the car with them. What was his purpose? His purpose was to be with them. No question. Our purpose is not found in the great wind. Our purpose is not in the earthquake or in the fire or in the commandments or in the afterlife or in the stars. Our purpose is not in laws of diet and dress that forget the mother and the milk and the moments of meaning. Our purpose is in that still, small voice that whispers, from I love you, we've built our whole lives together, but I've not forgotten you as you were then. Shana Tova. That was Rabbi Adam Shalom of Kol Hadash Humanistic Congregation. More information about Kol Hadash, Rabbi Shalom, and Humanistic Judaism can be found on our website, kolhadash.com, K-O-L-H-A-D-A-S-H.com. This podcast was recorded and produced by Ken Burke on behalf of Rabbi Shalom and Kol Hadash in conjunction with Repatriation Studios. The shofars were blown by Kol Hadash members Stephen and Jim Jacobs. I'm Ken Burke, and thank you for listening.